Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So it's my privilege to talk this morning from the Bible. And we're going to talk about prayer. In fact, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Most of you will know the Lord's Prayer. Many of you could probably recite it off by heart. But I want us to try and look afresh at this simple prayer that Jesus taught us this morning. Because it has so much that uh, we need to know about prayer. And as we know, prayer is a very important topic, topic for Christians. We can't live, actually, as Christians without prayer. If you're a Christian here, you know that. If you're not a Christian yet, then I can tell you that when you become a Christian, prayer will become the most important feature of your life. Uh, but on, in, in actual fact, many of us find prayer quite difficult, don't we? It can be uh, a rather dead experience sometimes. Uh, sometimes it, it, it's, it's hard work. Sometimes we don't seem to get the answers that we're looking for. I think what we'd all like is a dynamic prayer life where we, we ask God for things and he answers our prayers and it's exciting. We'd love it to be like that all the time. I was talking to my younger brother this week on the phone. It just happened he called me and he, he was... Uh, He's a Christian, and he has to give his testimony in his small group. So he was trying to remember something that happened when we were both teenagers, when he became a Christian, after I'd become a Christian. And apparently I said to him, uh, Tim, but I get my prayers answered every day. Now, there may be just a little bit of exaggeration in that at that time, um, because I know looking back, that's not my experience every day of my life. But I can remember some amazing times where I've asked God to do things and he's done them. And, uh, or I've asked God for things and he said, well, no, that's wrong. And I, I knew it was God saying no. So prayer is vital. And that's why we need to look at that. I'd just like to read from Luke 11 to start with. If I can manage this. Here we are. So this is the Gospel of Luke and this is... Jesus, in the middle of his ministry, and we'll just read the verses from chap uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So that was Jesus' answer to the disciples who wanted to know how to pray. Now, it, Perhaps we could just think about what it must have been like for these guys. They were not religious people. They were Jesus followers, and they'd been following him probably for some months by this time, just going from village to village, town to town in Palestine with Jesus. And I think one of the things they noticed about Jesus was his prayer life. So this chapter starts, doesn't it? It came to pass as Jesus was praying. And that seems to provoke 
one of the disciples say, Lord, we need, to do, we need to do this. We need to pray like you do. Jesus has taught a lot about prayer. He uh, already taught them things like when you pray, he said, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. He said things like, don't, don't be like the Pharisees. There were a lot of religious people in those days who loved to pray openly. So they'd stand on the street corners and make big showy prayers uh, to, to just show people how holy they were. Jesus said, don't be like that. No, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret. He said a lot of other things about prayer, but he, he didn't just teach about prayer. Jesus lived and modeled prayer. So when he was going to choose the 12 disciples, for instance, a few chapters earlier, we won't look at the verses, but in, in Luke's Gospel it says that he spent all night in prayer. Jesus went up the mountain on his own and just prayed to his Father all through the night. And then when he, when he came down from the mountain, he, he appointed the 12 apostles. And you think, well, that's strange. Why does Jesus need to pray? Surely Jesus is God. Surely he's the Son of God. Why does he need to pray? Well, the answer is that he, he needs to pray because that's how he maintained his relationship with his Father. So Jesus had left the Father in heaven, come down to earth, and the reason he came was to show us the Father, to show us what God is like. And in order to do that, he has to maintain that relationship with his Father. And he's not just maintaining it for himself, but he's bringing with him the disciples and saying, now you can have this relationship with God as well. And that, we, for us, we might forget how radical that was. You see, in the Old Testament, all the way through the Old Testament, God was distant. God was in heaven, unapproachable, powerful and mighty, but you couldn't come near God, else you'd die. That was what the Jews understood. So in Moses' day, when Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, he came close to God, but he didn't. He didn't, uh, he didn't see God completely. He came, Moses came down from the mountain, and, and if you remember the passage, it says that he was glowing. His face was glowing from the glory of being close to God. But it says in Hebrews that if anyone had touched that mountain, they'd have died. Even, it says even if an animal touches the mountain, it died because God was there. So that was God in the Old Testament. And Jesus came with a completely new relationship, calling God his Father. In fact, he used the intimate Aramaic word, Abba, to talk to God, which is like a respectful dad. It's like a grown-up version of dad, which we don't have a direct translation for, but it's, it's, there's an intimacy about it. And he was talking to God from the very beginning as father, and the disciples probably heard this and they thought, this is different. They saw the miracles, they, they heard the wonderful teaching, but they saw his life too, and they said, this is different. So they said, Lord, Lord teach us to pray. And Jesus says, fine, I can teach you to pray. This is how you pray. And the way he, he, he did that was to say, here is a model prayer. Okay, so it's really five things. You could break it down in different ways, but it's really only five things. Our Father in heaven, so it's worship. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So that's the purpose of God. 
Give us this day our daily bread. That's our needs. Forgive us our sins. And lead us not into temptation. Five things. It's so simple. But let me say, first of all, what it doesn't mean is that this is a prayer to recite. So what we did at school, when I, I grew up in the 1960s and 70s in England, and in my junior school, I remember, and also my secondary school, we would pray this prayer most days in school assembly, all together, all in a monotone, without much thought at all. Nobody explained what it meant. It was just something we did. So when Jesus said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, don't use meaningless repetition, he clearly was not saying uh, about this prayer that we just keep repeating it, because that would be meaningless repetition. And that's not what God, what God wants at all. So it's something else. And I was helped years ago by somebody who taught me that the best way to see this prayer is like a, a series of coat hooks. So you've got five hooks, and they're in order. And you come to God with the first one, and it's all about worshipping him. And then we move on to the purpose of God. And each one of those we can expand our prayers into. And it gives a kind of shape to our prayers. It gives a form to our prayers. So that if we, 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 get, we have a prayer time, for instance, we go uh, to God on our own and we, we want to pray, it gives us somewhere to start, gives us somewhere to, to put some content into, and somewhere to finish. And I found that very helpful. Today, we're just going to look at the first bit because we don't have time to look at it all. We could spend a long time going through each one of these. But I just want to focus on the first line, really, today, which is our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Such an important truth here. So we already talked about the fact that Jesus introduced this idea of God being his Father. If we look at um, 1 John... Chapter 3. Are we getting these up on the uh, screen? Is that working? This is John's letter. And um, it says this. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. But beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So, what it's saying here is that we have become children of God, just like Jesus was a child of God. That's an amazing thing. So Jesus has not just come to show us something. He's come to bring us into that family. The Bible talks us about us being adopted as children into God's family. And that's an amazing truth because within that adoption, there's all sort of, sorts of things like inheritance. God has an inheritance for each one of us because we're his children, because we're now members of the family. And the more we get hold of that, the more it... it changes the way we view our lives, the way we view the future, the way we view any problems that come. And so God has given us this amazing gift of sonship. Now the Bible uses the word sonship and it means sons and daughters. 
Uh, we won't go into the, the detail on that. But the important thing is that we, we come to know that when we come to this prayer, we start with that relationship. And notice one thing, that when we pray this prayer, we don't start with confession. Now, some of you may have been taught, I've heard people teach in the past, that when you come to pray, first thing you ought to do is wipe the slate clean, get rid of your sins, uh, confess all your sins. But actually, no, that's number four. That's why this order is so important. Jesus isn't saying, first of all, let's, let's, let's have a look at your sin. He's just saying, first of all, come to the Father. And that's the amazing truth that, um, that he's put there. And then, having come to the Father, we come to the next phrase, which is, hallowed be your name. We start to worship God. So what about the name of God? What, what is this name that we are worshipping? Hallowed is just an old English word which means um, to, to make holy, or to revere, or to honour. So honouring God's name. Well, again, in the Old Testament, the Jews knew God's name, but they weren't allowed to say it, because God was too holy. So every, you'll find if you read the Old Testament, wherever the name of God occurs, it's, the translators just simply put the word Lord in capital letters. So God is the Lord. But what is God's name? What is this name that we are coming to worship? And, uh, well, the first aspect of that really is the name that's in the verse, Father. That's his name. He's, he's called Father. But God actually has lots of names. If you look through the Bible, we could, we could spend a whole day listing all the names of God. I'd just like to show you one or two in, in the book of Isaiah and chapter 9. If we can get that one up on the screen. Um, this is where Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus coming in the future. And we often have here this uh, verse read at Christmas. And it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So there you've got f at least four names, straight up. And they're, they're wonderful names. And the point is, when you come to God in your prayer time, we need to find some, some content to that. You know, your mind might be a bit empty. You might have just woken up and uh, you're trying to think, you know, what am I going to pray about? Oh, yeah, I have to do pray about uh, Auntie Flo and I have to pray about that problem at work. But the first thing is to come and start worshipping God. And I find uh, verses like this so helpful because they give our hearts something to get hold of. So you might come to God and you're really feeling that you could do with some advice in your life. You, you don't know which way to go. Well, he's, he's a wonderful counsellor. So you can say, Lord, I come to you, wonderful counsellor. Or perhaps you're feeling a bit insecure, that you're feeling that you need a guardian, you need somebody to look after you. And, and so it says, he's an everlasting father. Maybe you need a miracle, you need a mighty God, so you just come to that, that name. So, Lord, hallow, hallowed be your name, mighty God. I need a mighty God today. So, all these names can then become relevant to what we're praying about. But we're focusing on God, we're not focusing on ourselves. 
but we're coming to him. And then finally, I'd like to look at this act of coming to Jesus and coming to the Father. Jesus told a story about God's fatherhood. We, we know it as the prodigal son. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And uh, it's about a young man who was born into a rich inheritance. His family were wealthy. And he knew there was an inheritance coming to him one day. He knew that was destined. But he was a bit uh, headstrong. And he said to his father, I want my inheritance now. I want to go out and do my own thing. I don't want to live in this farm anymore. I want to go with my inheritance. And his father graciously said, okay, son. He split up his assets, gave the boy his share, and he went off and wasted it. In fact, the Bible says he went to a far country and he spent everything. He lived a very dissolute life until he got nothing left at all. And not only did he have nothing left, but the, the country he was in then suffered a famine. So he was now in a foreign country with no money, no, nothing to live off. And he ended up feeding pigs, which for a Jewish boy must have been quite shameful. So there he was feeding the pigs. He's so hungry he's eating the pig's swill. That's all he had to eat. And, and let's, let's pick up the story in, in Luke 15, because uh, we can just read it from verse 17. It says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he prepared the speech to say to his father, in true humility, apparently. The interesting thing is, as we read on, we find that as he came near to his home, his father was waiting for him. And I imagine the father getting up every day, thinking, when's my son coming home? And he, he would go out to the edge of the property, he'd look into the distance, along the road, his, his son went on, thought, is he going to come home today? Verse 27, it says, he, he arose and came to his father when he was still a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. See, the father's just waiting. This is God waiting for us to come into his presence to pray. This is, this is what it's like. This is what this picture is about. It's about our father waiting for us to draw near. And as we do, look at the response. It says, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So he embraced him straight away. And, and then we read about the son trying to get out his speech. So he says, father, I've, I've sinned. I've made a mess of it all. I've done it really badly. But he never gets to finish it. He never gets to the bit about being a servant because the father says, verse 12, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. 
For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They had a massive party. So God is waiting for us in this way to come to him. And he's not waiting for you to come with your confession. There's time enough for that. We get to that further down the prayer. What he wants is he wants to have fellowship with his son and his daughter. He wants to embrace you. He wants to tell you how much he loves you and to make you feel welcome in his presence so that you can pray with great confidence about the things that are going to come up. We will come to the prayers. We'll come to the requests. But at this point, all we're doing is saying, Father, I just want to come to you. I want to be in your presence. I want to enjoy your presence. And I want to hear what you have to say to me. We, some of us did uh, an Alpha course earlier this year. And it's a wonderful course about basic Christianity. And one of the subjects is on prayer. And there's a story in that episode about President Lincoln. He was the 16th president of the United States. And he lived during the time of the American Civil War. And it was a, a very brutal time. Thousands of people were killed. But President Lincoln was a godly man and he had children that he, he tried to raise as godly children. And uh, one day a, a soldier turned up at the White House. And the soldier uh, was a young boy who'd been conscripted into the army. And his father had already been killed in the war. And his brother had been killed in the war. And his poor mother was left trying to manage a farm some distance away. She, she wasn't strong enough to plant the crops. And so the young man was coming to the president to ask for a pardon and to ask, could I be exempted from the army, please, to help my mother? And he tried to get in and he was turned away at the White House by the officials who said, you know, get lost, go back to the army and do your duty. And he sat down on a bench and a young boy, and he, a little boy, came up to him and sat next to him and said, why are you so sad? And the soldier told him his story. And the little boy said, come with me. And he took the soldier by the hand and led him round the back of the White House. And they went in through the back entrance, past all the, the guards, past the officials, past the, the army generals who were planning their war strategy. And they walked straight into the president's office. And the president said, ah, oh, hello, son. What can I do for you? And the little boy said, this man needs to speak to you. And that's just what Jesus has done for us. He's taken us by the hand, taken us into a place that we never deserve to be. We don't deserve to be in God's presence. We don't deserve to be his children. But Jesus has brought us in and he said to the Father, Father, this one needs to talk to you. And the Father's ready, open arms, welcoming and longing to hear what we have to say. So let's take advantage of what God has given. And let's learn to pray. There's lots more here. We could read lots more that Jesus said about prayer. But this is the starting point. This is where it begins. Our Father who is in heaven. Let's just pray now. 
Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Jesus, we thank you for sharing your sonship with us. Thank you for bringing us to the Father. Thank you for the confidence we can have before you. Help us, Lord. Teach us to pray. Lord, let prayer become more and more a part of our lives. As we see things happen and we rejoice in things you do. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done today in this, in this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.